Good morning, everyone. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. It will be my joy to say 
It never gives up, it never runs out on me. 
Sure. 
is Christ in me. Question, do you ever struggle with getting up and getting to church? Is it a burden sometimes on a Sunday morning? Like, I just don't want to be there this morning. Anybody be honest and say, I have a hard time getting to church sometimes? You know, you're not alone. It reminds me of a story of a, a man that woke up one morning and he said, honey, I don't want to go to church today. And she said, well, honey, you have to go to church. He says, no, I don't want to go. Well, why don't you want to go? Well, the people are not really friendly. Coffee's not always fresh, you know, and people don't even notice me when I'm not there, and I just struggle with, with one I just don't want to go. She says, you have to go. Honey, why do I have to go? Because you're the preacher. You have to go. 
I'll be honest, there are times when I don't want to be here uh, because we're human and we, we experience fatigue and frustration and distractions, and, uh, but it is good to be in God's house always, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what's going on in our lives around us, amen, God is worthy of praise. Uh, and so before we get into 1 Samuel, I was over there as, we, as Joy was leading us in worship and I was thinking of Psalm 92, and I want to read this, this is a reminder to us, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praise to the Most High, it is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-stringed instrument, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. So all of us are in good, oh wait, that's L-I-R-E, or L-Y-R-E, that's the instrument, lyre, not lyres, right? Okay, that was a joke, so I was just test, testing the waters to see how y'all are doing this morning. But it's the melody of a, of a stringed instrument that we know nothing about, a lyre. Um, so it says, you thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. Can we say that this morning, that God, you thrill me when I think about all that you've done for me. I, I sing for joy because I have to. No, it says I sing for joy because of what you have done. Oh, Lord, what great works you do and how deep are your thoughts only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds. Anybody got any weeds growing? We were picking some out of the flower beds out front this morning. The wicked, they grow like weeds, and evildoers flourish. They will be destroyed forever. But you, O oh Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. And that's the message that I would like to get out to the enemies that are attacking Israel today. The enemies will perish because those are God's people and you don't mess with God's people. Amen? All right, so David had you turn to uh, 1 Samuel. Last week we looked at Hannah, Samuel, Samuel's mom. And, and today I want to share a message called Called by God. Now this story that we read in the scriptures um, is usually one that we've probably heard in Sunday school. Growing up as a kid, you probably heard the story about God calling Samuel as a young boy. But I think it was J. Vernon McGee one time that said, we need to bring this, this lesson out of the Sunday school class, out of the kids' Sunday school classroom, and we need to bring it into the adult worship because there's a good word in this passage of scripture today that I think is a great reminder for all of us, called by God. So here's what I want to do. I want to read the passage um, in 1 Samuel, and then after that, I want to pray, and then I want to share with you. I'll begin with a question, but I want to read the first 11 verses. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, let's read it. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up, and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. <laughs> did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. Took him long enough. Verse 9 says, So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. 
And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the lessons that we glean from your word, even from the Old Testament stories like this. My prayer, Lord, is that you would open our eyes, open our ears to behold the wonderful truths from your word. Lord, I am just a mouthpiece. I'm just the vessel. And so, Father, help me to say what I should say and to not say what I shouldn't say. Lord, would you just please um, use me today? I humble myself before you, and I ask that you would be glorified in all that we do and, and say. Lord, would you just please challenge us today in our faith? And I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So he says, I'm about to do a shocking thing. I'm about to do a big, big thing. And as I was reading that passage and preparing my heart this morning, I was reminded and thought, I need to ask this question. What if... Because from time to time, God does some big things, doesn't he? Throughout history, we've seen him do big things. In the scriptures, we've seen him do huge things. And so God is into doing shocking things or big things. And I was thinking about today, we sure could use God to do a big thing in our churches, in our families, in our our communities, right? In our schools, in our world today. We could sure use God to do something big, right? So the question is this. If God wanted to do something big in your life, If you wanted to do something big in your family, in your school, in your workplace, in this church, if God wanted to do something epic, something big, something just over the top, even beyond that, if he wanted to do something big in our city or even beyond that into our country today, if God wanted to do something big, here's the question, are you willing to let him use you to do it? I'll ask it another question. Are you prepared for God to use you if he wants to do something big? Now, you say, Shane, who's prepared? Well, none of us are truly prepared if we're just to be honest, right? None of us ever feel adequate or like we've got all of our ducks in a row or that we could be adequately used by God to do something big. And that's a good point. But we see throughout Scripture two truths uh, that we need to understand. Uh, Number one is every time in Scripture... And even in history, when God wanted to do something big, when God wanted to do a shocking thing, he always, say always, he always raised up a leader. Now think about the children of Israel. They're in Egypt. They've been slaves for 400 years. They're ready for a bailout, right? God, come and rescue us. And they they cry out to God, and God sends them Moses. God says, I'm going, to, I'm going to rescue my people, Israel, because I've heard their cries. I see that they're in slavery, and I'm about to deliver them in a big way. I'm going to do something shocking. Hey, Moses, I need you to step up and be a leader today. And, you, of course, you know the story. Moses was one of the best prophets of his time. He spoke with God face to face, but it didn't start off really well. Because when God called Moses, Moses was like, whoa, 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 this is huge, and I don't feel like I'm equipped to do the job, and so you've got to choose somebody else, God. In fact, Moses had a speech problem, and he's like, I'm supposed to speak on your behalf to the children of Israel, and I stutter. This is going to be difficult for me. God, please choose someone else. He used Moses, he used Joshua later after Moses died. Joshua was going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Number one, he's going to have to fill Moses' shoes, right? I mean, how do you follow Moses, someone who spoke with God face-to-face as a friend? He come away from a worship session and his eyes and his face was glowing, right? And now, Joshua, you're going to fill his shoes? And so God has to reassure Joshua and say, as I was with Moses, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. 
and I'm going to use you to bring the children of Israel into that land of promise. And you just need to be careful to listen to everything that Moses taught you that he got from me to obey all those things. But several times in that conversation there, God says, only be strong and courageous. Joshua, you need to be strong. You need to be courageous. And so Joshua steps up. Tells the children of Israel, what's up? Here's what we're fixing to do. We're going to go conquer the land. And then the children of Israel said to him, hey, we will follow you just like we followed Moses. And if somebody doesn't dis- or disagrees with you and they don't obey you, um, that we'll, we'll just take their life from them, Joshua, because we're going to follow you. Only be strong and courageous. I kind of wonder if Joshua didn't struggle from time to time wondering, Whew, those are big shoes to feel, God. You're going to use me to do something really big, really epic. From there, you go through the season of the judges, I think about 320-something years in all, where judges led the children of Israel. I think there's 15 judges that are mentioned, uh, maybe 12 that are mentioned, three that are unnamed, but there's about 15 different judges that God raises up from time to time to rescue the children of Israel. Gideon. You remember Gideon, right? Gideon is in in the bottom of a a pit threshing his wheat because he was scared of the Midianites that they were going to come and raid and take away everything. And and God says, mighty man of valor. He's about to pull Gideon out of the pit. He's about to call him to an enormous task. He's going to do a great thing, and he's going to call Gideon to do it. And Gideon says, I feel like I'm the weakest of my whole clan, the clan of Manasseh. I mean, why me? But God used him, and we read in Scripture, God did some great things through Gideon. How about Samson, the man with the the long locks like my son Seth uh, with the long, long hair, right? Samson probably was a little stronger than you were, Seth, because his strength was in his hair. Um, And you know his story there, God used him to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines. And I I think he killed several hundred people maybe with a a jaw of of a donkey, right? Uh, I found a skeleton on the ground and used it to just thrash everybody. That's, I want to see that movie, right? But when God was going to raise someone up, or when God was going to do something epic or big, he would always raise up a leader. And let's not leave the ladies out. Because one of the judges mentioned in the book of Judges is a lady named Deborah. God used her in a powerful way. Or Mary, who got to be the mother of Jesus, if we believe Jesus is God in the flesh, mother of God, there's a big role to fill, ladies, right? She's going to bring the Savior of the world into the world. God was about to do something huge, and he used Mary. Last week, we looked at Anna. God was about to change things up. They were in a dark season, and he's about to raise up a new prophet, a new leader of Israel, and he begins with a woman, Hannah, and we looked at her story last week. The truth is, when God is about to do something big, he always raises up a leader. Now, a second thing that you and I need to know, and you've heard me teach on this before because I believe it's my testimony, God uses broken people. There's nobody perfect, right? If you're perfect in the house this morning, raise your hand. Please don't do it. It's going to be awkward. Okay. There's no one perfect. We're all broken vessels, and it just amazes me that God uses people like us. It'd be easier for me, in my mind, if God says, I need to do something, and if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself, right? And so he just steps out of heaven and just takes care of stuff. No, he uses broken people, but he also uses nobodies. He also uses insignificant people to do significant things through. And that's where we find ourselves today with this story of Samuel. Samuel, at this point, uh, the Jewish historian Josephus says that Samuel is about 12 years of age, when he hears God call his name. 
Now, just to refresh your memory, last week we talked about Samuel being dedicated as a young boy by his mother to the Lord. Mom Hannah was barren, and she said, God, if you'll just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And she takes him to church, drops him off, and leaves, right? And she dedicates him to the Lord, to his service, and after he was weaned. So from about three years of age to 12 years of age, Samuel is assisting Eli And he lives at the temple. He was a servant of God. And we see that God is about to do something big. We read that verse a while ago. I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. What was going on? It was a very dark season. The sin was just raging. It was just crazy there. And in fact, this, I I think I mentioned it last week that uh, Judges closes with that verse that says, In those days, Israel had no king. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It was a free-for-all. Everybody just did what felt right. And that's the culture to which Samuel was born into. In fact, it's so wicked that even the priests were corrupt. Eli was a priest, and he wasn't too terribly of a bad guy, but his two sons that were also priests were very wicked. You can read about that if you have time in chapter 2, Eli's wicked sons and all that they did. And the problem with Eli is he didn't hold them accountable. He didn't stop their sin. He gave them a gentle rebuke. But in that passage, whenever Eli's family is warned, God tells them, I will honor those who honor me. And so you see this contrast between the wicked sons of the priest Eli that were also priests, and you see this little boy, Samuel, who honors God by serving him, and God's about to do something huge, and God is about to use an insignificant person to do it. So I want us to notice three things about Samuel's preparedness. Is he prepared to be used by God. Now, you and I might look at our standards of preparedness, and if I'm judging God on his choosing of people to do big things, I don't think God's got a great track record because he picks some real doozies from time to time, right? But we should be reminded that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise, right? And so it may not look right from our perspective, but just know that God, in his infinite wisdom, knows what he needs. And so he chooses these people for these amazing tasks. And so Samuel is prepared to be used by God, and so I want us to notice three things. Verse 1, meanwhile the boy Samuel served the Lord. Who did he serve? It says he served the Lord by assisting Eli. Eli was the priest. Samuel was a little boy dropped off by mom, dedicated to the Lord. And so Samuel just follows Eli around and just whatever you see Eli the priest doing, you just do it too. And so he's assisting, helping, hanging out with, side by side with the priest. That's all he knows. But the Bible says that he served the Lord by assisting Eli. That reminds me of a verse that says, whatever you do, work at it with all your might as though you're doing it for the Lord and not for men. And that should be the way we we view our whole life and everything that we do. Amen? He said, whatever we find our hands doing, let's just do it as though we're doing it for the Lord and not for for men. And so Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Notice his his practice. What was he doing? He was serving the Lord. He was young. And I know in today's culture, we always leave the servanthood up to those that are qualified or older, mature. And, And I think this is why it's a children's story in the Bible and we teach it in Sunday school. It's because we're showing the kids the value that God has on them too. God uses young people in the Bible. Think of David when he slayed Goliath. He was about 17 when he went up against that. When all of the other Israel armies were scared of Goliath, David steps up as a young man. How about Daniel? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as young men. I mean, they modeled for us what it looks like to stand your ground in the culture that's wicked and corrupt, right? So God uses young people, and here's the case. Samuel is serving the Lord by assisting Eli. He's 12 years of age. And so here's the, here's the, the encouragement for you young people. This should be an encouragement to you if you're young today. 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul tells Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Don't in, let anyone despise your, your youth. But he says, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Don't let them look down on you because you're young. So what? God uses young people. God uses insignificant people. But we are to set an example for them in the way we live, in our love, our faith, and our purity. So let me just challenge you, mom and dad, and young people. Young people can serve too. Young people can serve God. And, and I don't, a lot of you don't see it because you're not here early but we've always had these young people that are just showing up and they're serving behind the scenes and they're resetting the chairs, making sure the communication cards are in there and it does not go unnoticed. I remember I, every time I see them, I'm like, you young men over here, thank y'all so much for what you do. That's huge to me. That's a huge blessing to see young people serving. Opening the door, carrying out trash, wherever they need. This morning we were picking weeds out of the flower beds in the front of the church. Young people can serve as well, Right? And so notice his practice, his preparedness was that he was in the practice of serving God. And that should be a reminder to each one of us that we all have a role and we serve God. And it's in that serving that we're preparing to be used by him. So Samuel served the Lord. This is now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. What was going on? It was a dark time, and, and God had just basically stopped speaking to him. It's like the father going, I can't even talk to you right now. And this is where they're at, and there's, there's no word from the Lord. It's not very frequent at all. So don't you know that when God speaks, it's precious? In fact, there's some versions that say that. Now, the word of God was precious. Why? Because you didn't hear it often, and when you don't have it often, it raises the value of it, right? Just ask the people on the coast that were without gas for 20 minutes or whatever it was. I don't remember. Right? When it's plentiful, it's not precious, but whenever they say uh, there's no more gas in the pumps, how many know gas becomes very precious? And then you see the videos of the lady with the wash basket putting gas in a So it says, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon or the prophecies were um, quite uncommon because there was no one recognized publicly as a prophet of God. And so it was a dark, dark time. But in this context, we see Samuel serving the Lord regularly, faithfully. Notice also his proximity. I like this part because it says, Eli which is almost blind by now. Later we learn that he dies. He was fully blind by then. But they're in the temple, and it says the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Now, I don't think he was sleeping in the Holy of Holies because only, only the high priest could go in there, and that was only once a year. And when they went in there, they had these little bells at the hem of their garment and, and a rope tied to their leg because if they weren't living right, they would drop dead in the presence of God, and the priest would just drag the dead high priest out and say, Next! So I don't think he was sleeping in the Holy of Holies, but the proximity there was he was near where the Lord was. And I think there's a lesson there for you and I. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence with the people. When Moses was given instructions to build the tabernacle according to these specific 
pattern, right? And he says, build the ark, and it's there at that ark above the cherubim that I will dwell with you, I will meet with you. And so they believed that the presence of God was with them when the ark of the covenant was in their midst. How cool would that be today to know that we have the ark of the covenant here and God is wherever that ark is at? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? You don't know know something cooler than that? He no longer resides over the ark of the covenant. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit dwells within us. He lives in us, amen? So wherever we are at, if you believe in Christ and, and you're saved by faith, wherever you're at, he is with you. But, but just know this, that I believe that we can be as close to God as we want to be. And the verse says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And it's interesting, in this context, he's sleeping close to where God was at. His proximity was in a place that's such a where he'd be able to hear the voice of God. And I just wonder sometimes if we're not able to hear God's voice because as far as proximity is concerned, we are so far removed from God and worship of God and the reading of God's word. And I wonder sometimes if we miss it because we're not seeking after him again. The promise is, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I believe that we can be as close to God as we want to be. Amen? In fact, I'm encouraged every week, and I'll, I'll say this to my wife. She blesses me. She blesses me indeed. Um, I don't know how many times I can walk through the, the house morning, evening, night, and many times catch her reading her Bible, and she's like, I'm just getting some time with, with the Lord. In the middle of the night, what are you doing up? I, I was having a dream, and I was just writing it down, and she'll pray and say, God, is there something I need to learn from that? Is there something you're trying to show me? And she just, I, I think God's got her heart, and I love that. In fact, I love it so much that last night before I went to bed, I said, Rachel, would you pray for me? And here's why. You, you guys that don't know, um, I wrestled with right up until this morning on what to share with you today, and I went to bed with nothing, and I said, God, I, I just don't know what to share tomorrow. And I said, Rachel, the Bible says the prayer of a, of, of a the prayer of a righteous person availeth much, right, and has great power. Rachel, I'd like for you to pray for me. I know you've been tuned in to God lately. Would you just pray over your husband tonight? And she did. And so if it's bad today, you can blame her. I'm just telling you that. But it just blesses me, and I just think that you can be as close to him as you want to. And so there's this invitation to draw near to God. And I wonder sometimes if we don't miss his, his call, his invitation to be used in a powerful way because we are not in close proximity. And so mom and dad, here's the encouragement for you today. You should bring your children to church. Notice I didn't say you should take your children to church. See, I grew up in a culture where we were made to go to church. I was at church a lot as a little kid, but I never saw my dad in church. I'm not saying that to rag on my dad, but here's what it communicated to me as a young boy. Church was not for the cool dads. It was for grandpas, grandmas, women, and children. And what it communicated to me, it was an important once you reach a certain age, right? It's important when you're little, but once you get to be a dad, well, you don't have to go to church anymore, right? And you can better believe that I was looking forward to that day when I didn't have to go to church anymore. And so what happened is he didn't teach it, but, but what I caught was that it wasn't important to him and didn't really, wasn't that important to me either at that season of life. So I would say, mom and dads, we should bring our kids to church. We should expose them to many opportunities to hear from God's word, to be trained and taught in the scriptures They should regularly be in a position to hear from God. Amen? It's like just as a, why do we go to church? Let me tell you why we go to church. God has done so many wonderful things in our life, and it's just our opportunity to go back and worship him, to praise him, to say thank you, and we're hoping to hear from him today. He'll challenge us in our walk, right? We're growing in our faith. Kids, I want you to see that. Mom and dad, don't underestimate the the, the power of bringing your kids 
to church, be in close proximity to where God is at. Now, I said it'll go. He's not in the building, and I, and I get that. He's not just here at Living Water. I mean, he's everywhere, and that's the beautiful thing, right? But we're creating opportunities for us to just worship and to open up God's word and learn from it, and I think it's a great thing to model for them, so make sure they're there. Notice lastly also, notice Samuel's posture. The word posture means to adopt an attitude or to take an official position on a matter. It's an inclination or a disposition. And, and what happens is after he finds out through Eli, and i got to give Eli some props here because even though he didn't recognize the first few times that Samuel was coming to him saying, did you call me? He finally realized, hey, it's so rare we don't hear from God these days, but I'll bet it's God who's speaking to Samuel. So Samuel, here's what you need to do. Go lay down again, and if that voice speaks to you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel lays down, and again, God calls out to him, Samuel, Samuel. Now, can I just say right now, if God spoke to us in an audible voice, most of us would probably pee our pants. I'm just saying, it would be pretty uh, amazing. Shane, <gasps> Right? And Hebrews says that God spoke in many ways and many times, uh, but now he's spoken to us through his son. And so how many of you know he speaks to us through his word today? And so his word is powerful. It's rich. And so we should have this, this posture that says, Lord, here I am. If you can use me, here I am. So what did he say? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I'm here. I'm willing. And the Lord said, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. He was paying attention. Um, if you would have gone to school with me in Oklahoma, you would have seen how bad I was with, I just didn't do really good in school. Extremely difficult time paying attention. I still do that to this day. I struggle with that. And so for a teacher to finally say, Shane, look at me. Put your pencil down. Quit doodling. Quit messing with the kids around you. Look at me. My posture changed, right? Turn around, and I'm locking eyes on the teacher so that I hopefully catch some of what they're, they're throwing. And I think sometimes we miss what God might be trying to say to us because our posture is, our attitude is one that is just looking, distracted, fidgeting, doing all the things that we do, and we miss these opportunities. And so you also have to remember that the Word of God was so precious it hadn't been heard in a long, long time. And so it's like that old, the old commercial, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. This is God speaking. And Samuel, at 12 years of age, says, yes, Lord, speak. I'm listening. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm receptive. What do you want from me? Listen to what Proverbs chapter 2 says. My child, this is Solomon speaking. He says, listen to what I say. Listen, say listen. He's telling his son, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense. We could use a little bit of that today. To the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just. And protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair. And you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people. 
Proverbs 16, 20 says, those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. So listen. When it comes to his being prepared, it was simply, he was busy serving the Lord by assisting Eli. It's in having a a spirit of readiness to just serve wherever the need may be. His proximity with God, he was close to God close to where God was at, close to the word for us in our context, close to hearing the word. And his posture was one that said, here I am, Lord. If you can use me, use me. In fact, when I surrendered to ministry years ago, I remember in the back of a little Baptist church when God was calling me. And I remember thinking, I don't know what he wants me to do. I just know I feel like he's calling me to ministry. I was a cable television technician, and I loved my job, but God was just, he put the hook on me, and he was calling me to ministry. And I remember walking the aisle, and our attitude was, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do, but if you want me to pick up a hammer, I remember saying, if you want me to pick up a hammer, go to Mexico and build houses, right? Then, then I'm your man, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, here I am. It's just having that posture of listening to God and obedience to wherever he does. Even coming back here to Living Water to pastor my first church, I remember saying, God, I can't preach. I don't know how to preach, but I love people. And if you want me to go back there and love people, then here I am, Lord, send me. I just trust that he'll fill in the blanks, amen? We should all have that same attitude, have the right posture to say, Lord, here I am, I'm listening. And I might um, add that it's important while we're in the context of church and listening to God's word being spoken, we should pay attention to it because God's word's powerful, right? It's life-giving. And so this is not a time to be distracted and to be, to be just you know, talking with friends. We're going to be able to do that later, hanging out and fellowshipping. This is God's word, and it's still precious today. Amen? God's word is still precious, and he's still speaking, and he's still calling. And so Samuel was prepared to be used by God. And, and from my perspective, I'm like, how are you prepared? We, it looks very simple from his context, and we look at it and we say, you know, um, my idea of being prepared is seminary or years of experience or age and all of these things. And yet we look at God's word and we say that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. His ways are not like our ways. Amen? And so he chooses a boy, 12 years of age. He was prepared. And because he was prepared, as a result of that, look on at the rest of the, the passage here in verse 15. Samuel stayed in bed until morning. Then he got up and he opened. Well, let me back up. So he says, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. And he'd already warned Eli and his family. He says, I'm going to carry out all of my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned them that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. That's the message God gives a 12-year-old. The next morning, Eli, knowing that God was speaking to Samuel, says, all right, tell me what he said. (laughs) I love this. He was honest. He spoke truthfully. He says he didn't hold back. He told him everything that God had told him. Eli replied, let him do whatever he thinks is best. He's the Lord. Verse 19 says, as Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. He would become one of the most reliable prophets in the the history of Israel, right? God's going to use him in a big way. And everything that he said would prove to be true and reliable. In fact, so much so that everyone would come to hear from 
Samuel. Verse 21 says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. In the beginning, the word of God was scarce. It was precious because you never heard it. And we see as a result of his being prepared to be used by God, he was very powerful at this point. And the messages were just coming and coming and coming. And God spoke to him regularly. How cool is that, right? So we, we should be encouraged in that knowing that God uses imperfect people. God is in the, the business of taking nobodies or somebody that's insignificant and doing something significant with them. Somebody from good to great or a, a nobody into somebody or someone who was small and making them very large. You get, you get where I'm going with that, right? God is in the business of doing those things. God would use Samuel in a powerful way to bring change to his country and to his people. He'd be a prophet to his people. He would appoint the first king and he would lead the people until his death and he was well into his 100s when he died. So the question, I'll go back to what I asked at the beginning. What if God, who's still in the business of doing big things, what if God wanted to do something big in your family? What if God wanted to do something big in the church, in your school? In a business, what if God wanted to do something big in the community and beyond? I think you get where I'm going with that. What if God wanted to do something big, knowing that God will always raise up a leader when he's ready to do something big, and knowing that he doesn't always pick the ones that we would pick? We read later in Samuel that God looks at the heart, not at the outward appearance, knowing that God uses imperfect people and God uses insignificant people to do great and mighty things. The question is this, will you allow him to use you? I think every one of us, our attitude and our heart should be the same way as Samuel at 12 years of age. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In fact, every time we come into the house of worship and we open the word, that should be all of our prayer. Speak to me, Lord, I'm listening. Speak to me, Lord, your servant is listening. I am a willing vessel. I have Position my heart to be able to hear from you. I want you to speak through us. And, and here's the thing. God is no respecter of persons. And I believe that he wants to continue to speak to us. He's not through. Amen? He's not through. And I still believe that the, the greatest thing that he's given to us in this world is the church, the local church. He's not going to do it through the YMCA, no offense, or through Alcoholics Anonymous, no offense, or any of the other para-organizations, but the church is God's gift to the world, and he's not finished yet. He's still in the business of doing great things in families. He's still in the business of restoring broken marriages. He's still in the business of reconciling relationships. He's still in the business of bringing people into the family of God. God is still in the business of doing big things. The question is, are we willing to let him use us in the process? Now, I'd say God is calling. The question is, are we listening? God is calling. Are we listening? But we've got to mention one more thing, and I'll close. God is calling But he's also calling us to salvation, to personal relationship with him. I can imagine going through life and missing the most important call. You ever done that? You're expecting a phone call and the days before cell phone, right? You're expecting a phone call that's going to be between 10 and noon and you're not going anywhere. You're just glued to the chair waiting on the phone. You younger people, there was these phones that had a wire that was connected to the wall and you couldn't leave the house. And if you're lucky, you had an extended little deal where you could go in privacy around the corner and talk to somebody, stretching it. I mean, it was not wireless. But you get where I'm coming from, right? It was like, we're just like expecting this very important call. And the most important call that God gives 
is the call to salvation. He was, he's willing that none should perish. But all of us come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? My question is, have you answered that call? Have you placed your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Most important decision you'll ever make, the most important answer to a call that you'll, that you'll answer. But in addition to that, it's like God wants to do some great things, and I'm, I'm convinced that he still wants to do great things in this church. He's not through. He's not through with living water either. And I'm encouraged when I see all the people that God has used in my life in this church, young and old. And I just hope it is an encouragement to you and me to just say, God, if you can use me, here I am. Right? God, if you can use me, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Father, I thank you for this encouragement from Samuel's life today, seeing this young boy who modeled for us what being prepared looks like and just his practice of serving you in the temple or the tabernacle with Eli. Just busy about doing your work, serving you. Lord, for his closeness to you, his proximity and that he was close enough to hear your voice. He was living in the tabernacle. And Lord, I just thank you that we no longer have to go to the Middle East to find a tabernacle or a temple somewhere in order to be in your presence, but that you are here right now right here with us. That you dwell within your people, that we are your tabernacle, we are your, your temple. The, the fact that you would choose us to, to reside in is just mind-boggling. But Lord, I just thank you for that, that there's nowhere that we can go that we're apart from you. You're with us. Father, but we know that even though we know that you're with us, that we can go through seasons of life where we can just kind of get caught into a rut and not not chase after you or not be in close proximity to your word and to fellowship with other believers or church and God, I pray that you would just help us to see the significance of that in our own lives that you'd put a hunger and a thirst in our hearts for getting into your word Lord, for digging into it more Lord for just positioning ourselves in, in places where we're going to hear from it more and Lord I thank you also for his his posture his, his example of just willingness, even at 12 years of age, here I am, Lord. If you can use me, here I am. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, would you give us open ears to hear? Lord, would you help us with the distractions that are in our lives? We get so busy and encumbered by all the junk that's going on in our lives that sometimes we miss that still, small voice, and you're calling us to take a step in a big way that you want to do something mighty in. And, and Lord, would you just help us to have ears to hear? Would you help us to position our hearts and our, and our ears to hear your, your guidance, your leading, your voice in our lives today? Father, if there be anyone here today that has not placed their faith in you, I pray that today they would answer your call to salvation, knowing, Lord, it is the most important decision they'll ever make in their life, that they would trust you for eternal life. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for all you do. I thank you that you use um, imperfect unqualified people. Lord, it just, it's mind-boggling, but yet you say you use the foolish things to confound the wise. Lord, and I think that's so that none of us can get cocky, so that none of us can brag about how awesome we are, but Lord, we just point it right back to you and say, God, you are awesome. And so to you be all the glory and all the honor. Lord, we humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.